I'm Danny. And here we are, episode 66 of Fried Squirms, bringing you stoner horror comedy Idle Hands. But before that, fucking happy 420, man. Yeah, dude. It- it's weird saying that because it's not actually 420 yet here in studio. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny, but it's 420 always in our hearts. That's right. Well, first off, we meant to do a 420 episode last year and we didn't. Like, we were, we were going to do an episode and then we got high. Well, not only that, I think the one that we were looking for wasn't available for streaming at the time. and did. It's kind of a hard film to watch if you don't even fucking own it, so... Right, and then we were like... Yeah, fuck it. Fuck it. It's streamable now, and we were still like, fuck it. Like, yeah. This is a much better choice. Oh, <laughs> so much better choice. But also, secondly, like, sort of as we mentioned last episode, we didn't make it explicit from the get-go, but us getting stoned has always been, like, a big part of this podcast, so... Yeah, and we've explained that. I think even on our anniversary episode, the fiftieth episode, you know, we went a little bit more in detail about it. But yeah, it's but in the beginning, we, we were just like it was sort of in the background, like we were just done talking about shit. But yeah, we it's always put been it on with front us. Street till later on, exactly. But that's always been why it's the fried squirms. Should know by now. So this is sort of a little special for us. Yeah, for both the of love. us. It's a good time. We decided to choose a good time episode. Oh man, good yes. time movie with idle hands. Some might disagree. Not the best movie, but we're going to get to that. I guess before we get into the movie and all that good stuff, we had a really good filming session yesterday, man. Oh yeah, we're not going to stop pimping Jafar. By the way, just as long as we keep doing it. So we just shot for Gosh. Jafar episode four. That's just a friendly reminder. You can find it up on YouTube. If you like listening to our voices, you can see our wonderful faces. Yeah, and big, shiny, bright lights. Yeah, teaching you about the world of grocery. Yes, through humor and visual aids. Uh, Aids of some sort, that's for sure. (laughs) Oh, man, yesterday, I can't wait to see that. This is going to be something special. We'll keep you updated as to when it actually comes out, but we would very much appreciate that if you're already checking us out on this. I mean, it's just a little side project that we have going with some of the guys who have also appeared on the show. So, Yeah, so big shout out to those guys. And I guess outside of that, is there any big news that you'd like to share before we dive I, I think, goddamn... You remember at the very beginning of this year, we talked about how we were both excited when we saw the X-Men New Mutants trailer, because it looked like they were going a total like horror direction with big uh, superhero franchise. Exactly. Like, oh, that's yeah. awesome. It keeps getting fucking pushed back. I think it got pushed back again this week, so we're not going to be seeing it till like next year now. I'm starting, yeah. like, late next year, I'm starting to get pissed off, but that's all I have. Wow. <laughs> all right. Uh, <laughs> now, outside of that... So we had the filming session yesterday, went to an international fest here in town, it was a lot of fun, and just looking forward to a few movies that are supposed to be coming in soon, and that's about it for me. Man, I'm so excited. At some point here, very soon, I'm going to make sure to take some time to go watch uh, The Quiet Place. I've heard some I've really heard good reviews on really it, too. Stuff. Yeah. Plus, I'm a massive fan of The Office, so I love just seeing me some John Krasinski. Yeah. A.K.A. Jim. That's right. <laughs> Big Tuna. Big Tuna. Being quiet. The whole time. <laughs> Super quiet. Yeah, with that, I guess, let's get to the guts and bolts. Guts and bolts.
Guts and Bolts. Yeah, Guts and Bolts. Oh yeah, special 420 episode. Speaking of which, I think I'm about to turn this into a bigger Guts and Bolts than you were anticipating. <clears throat> I'm okay with that. So, back in episode one, we decided to start off by sort of talking about like, hey, why should you listen to us? Why get into, you know, where did we get into horror from? And every time a guest comes on to the show where you ask them, you know, what was their introduction to horror? Where do they come into the horror world? That sort of thing. Yeah, everybody has an entry point at, you know, one stage or another. All right, so this is the 420 episode. Where do you come into weed? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> I want to say the first time that I literally ever smoked was... I was a little late to the game, I guess, for most people, but I was 17. I was in high school. I think I was going in between my junior and senior year, so it was actually around the time this film came out, which is kind of a coincidence. So here's a funny story before I get into that. The first time I remember being offered to smoke, I was with some friends from high school and a family member. I won't say who, but there's five of them, so you take your pick. <laughs> <laughs> but anywho, I had heard them say that they wanted to smoke a bowl. And in my mind, because I had no idea what a fucking bowl was, I was bowl thinking, yeah, I was like, how do you how do you smoke weed in a bowl, like a cereal bowl or a soup bowl? And so I didn't say anything out loud, but I was in the backseat contemplating that, like, how the fuck are we going to do this? Well, it wasn't too much later that I figured out what a bowl was and finally smoked and, you know. So, long story short, I was about 17. See, now, here, I thought you were going to beat me on it, because I was 16 my first time. Yeah? For some reason, I, I, I for, was sure, for sure in my head that yours was going to be like a 14 or 15. Oh, no, man. Edge, you were going to edge me out. <clears throat> to be quite frank, at those ages, like, all the way up until even 17, like, I was pretty straight-laced. It wasn't that I had anything against, mm -hmm. you know, that stuff. I just was never around it, you know, just didn't, I didn't have any kind of appetite i suppose to go after it either it just right. just so happened upon me so see i was always scared as shit i think i might have mentioned it before but my parents worked in like two of the big nexuses of town so they heard fucking everything like there was a time like when i was younger like i cussed at the theater and my folks knew about it before i was home wow like it was nuts so i was i was scared shitless of getting in trouble and all that but 16 so it was like sophomore year of high school, and the yearly music department trip was to Spokane. Uh, I can't remember for sure what we were seeing that year. That might have been the year that we went and saw Madame Butterfly. Nice. I don't remember for 100% certain on that particular year. <laughs> that sounds right, though. Anyway, <laughs> I'm in a hotel room, three other guys. Two of us are pretty square. The other two cats aren't. Both of them are actually kind of a little bit more in the popular crowd. There wasn't as much as hard, fast clicks when you're in a school of only, like, 135 oh, yeah. kids. Yeah. You know what I mean? But we had, like, even for my school, I think we had double that graduated class. It, yeah. Yeah, my, my graduating class was, like, 40 kids. Yeah. Mine was, like, close to 300. <laughs> 135 kids total in the school. So there was clicks, but they weren't hard and fast because you kind of knew everybody. Yeah, so it's kind of hard to form that when you know everybody. <clears throat> But they were a little bit more on the popular side and shit. One of them brought some weed. Oh, yeah, hell yeah. Now we're in the, so we're in the hotel room, and we have like a couple hours before we're off to do anything, and they just kind of gave us some time to fucking like chill out after the bus ride and shit. 
And like, so we get the Xbox set up in the hotel room because I brought it, of course. And but we're in the room right next to our teacher's room, and there's fucking <laughs> conjoining fucking doors. Wow. And we're like, shit, like we don't want it fucking smell reeking through. So the first order of business is we took like 40 minutes trying to find enough fucking towels and shit and getting it to the point where we felt like we insulated the door enough so the smell wouldn't fucking leak through. That's awesome. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> and then somebody thought for sure that there was a vent in the bathroom. And we're like, yeah, it kind of seems like a vent. That's awesome. Like most of the time it's just a fan. <laughs> And I'm like, so let's let's go all fucking sit in the bathroom and fucking... And that way it's just blowing it straight out the top where we won't get caught doing this shit and we'll all get fucking stoned. Yeah. I'm like, okay, so that's awesome. And somebody was trying to think ahead. And they're like, decided to order Domino's. <laughs> yeah, someone was prepared. And I've found as someone who orders fucking shitty food a lot... <laughs> That a lot of these top pizza chains has sort of fluctuated throughout the years. And this was one of the time periods where Domino's was kind of horseshit. Mm. I gotcha. You're right about that, though. I mean, there are fluxes for every one of those chains. They have their good years, they have their bad years. Well, Domino's was not good pizza at the time that we fucking ordered it. But, <laughs> uh, whatever, you know, it was, it was what we could get for sure. We all threw in. It was some weird fucking... I don't remember what was all on it, but looking back, I remember it wasn't a good combination. Pizza gets there. We ended up having to go off for like a minute, meeting up with a group and shit, so we weren't able to get get stoned right away. We weren't like taken up for too long, but that took out like ten minutes or so where we had to go join the group. So we had to go join the group, we were able to go back to our room, and then pizza showed up before we actually got stoned. So we're like, alright. We eat some of the pizza, and like I said, Domino's is not good at the time. <laughs> yes. Whoever ordered the pizza, it was not a good combination. We're all just sort of like, oh, this is a little bit disgusting, and basically I'll give up after like a slice, slice and a half. And we're like, whatever, fuck it, let's go into the bathroom and get stoned. Yeah. Nobody had a piece. It's not like I forgot it. I wasn't expecting to get stoned. Like, this is my first time. Yeah. And I was fucking square at the time. <laughs> but the motherfuckers that did get stoned regularly and brought the weed forgot a piece. So we had to fashion one out of a fucking toilet paper roll and some fucking tinfoil. So you guys were MacGyvering this shit. Finally get going. And you know me. I fucking... I cough a lot. I cough my fucking lungs out. It doesn't matter how much I smoke. You've smoked a shit ton with me and it never gets any better. I oh, just... yeah. It's, yeah. And I know that's... I mean, we have our moments where we all go through those cough fits. I'm no uh, stranger to that shit. I was fucking cursed at birth, though. It's it's always like virgin lung hit. It sucks. It's the worst. I, of course, don't know that at the time. I start fucking coughing my lungs out with that disgusting-ass pizza in my fucking stomach and end up having to throw one of my buddies off the toilet so I can fucking hurl. Oh, damn. So yours wasn't quite a pleasant experience. Well, no, and then, like, whatever. I was really good at throwing up. That's just from football and being a fat ass, though. I used to throw up all the time in practice. So I was really good at throwing up. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta get this shit out. And yeah. so I was just like, all right, let's go, guys. And I fucking just washed my mouth out, so I'm like, give me another hit. And so, like, whatever. Didn't know what to expect. Fucking wasn't sure I was high until we went back out into, like, not the bathroom. Oh, by the way, it was an event. It was just a fan. We fucking <laughs> so just hotboxed that, that fucking place. <laughs> oh, man. 
while we just sat there smoking for like 45 minutes. I think we did roast, like, even though there was a couple fucking lightweight noobs in there, we roasted a couple bowls because there was like four of us smoking through this fucking MacGyvered little ass fucking steamroller. (laughs) (laughs) And just hotboxed the place. And we were fucking, we realized we were ripped when we went out and sat down and started playing some video games. And it was Dave Mira's Freestyle BMX Oh yeah, I remember that game. It's fun. Uh, on the original Xbox. And we were doing all right. And then at one point, I was playing some. And I was trying to turn around. And I wasn't paying attention to how close I was to a wall. And just nicked the wall hard enough that my guy fell off. And we all lost it for 20 <laughs> minutes straight. Just fucking watch that shit on replay of my guy just barely hitting the wall just hard enough to fucking knock him off. That's and awesome. we just died for like 20 minutes. But then I didn't smoke again for probably like two, two and a half years after that. Yeah, there were stretches in between where I was first introduced to it to where I became a regular user. And it's just kind of interesting how, you know, <laughs> you go from being almost untouched or just quote-unquote pure. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, you're introduced, or at least in my case I was introduced, and just everything becomes a lot more mellow. I feel like I don't get as uh, stressed out or, you know, take things as serious. Right. <laughs> yeah, so my experience has always been fun. I've had some, I won't say bad experiences, but I've had some fucked up times on it too, you know. Um, but it's been mostly yeah. a love affair. Oh, yeah, mostly a love affair. Even the times that, oh, shit, like, I didn't have a first time my first gravity bong hit. Like, a fun time my first gravity bong hit. Oh, they'll ruin you. Oh, damn, son. Oh, I, I bet I you we have sh- all I wasn't sure I could... Re- I started to panic a little bit because I wasn't sure I could remember how to breathe. I had a little anxiety fit the first time I took mushrooms. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because I was super stoned, and then that shit was hitting. So, But I have a pretty good inner voice, and we talked it through. <laughs> yeah, fucking... I wasn't sure I remembered how to breathe... And then I sort of felt like I just was like melted into the couch and fell into the fucking universe. And you were like one of those commercials at the time. It just washed over me. And it was like super intense body high, super fucking just ridiculously ripped. Gosh, man. And then like I started to come back too and I was feeling good again and everything was good. And then everybody that was with me was sort of like, dude, are you all right? Like you look kind of like you look kind of bad. Like, are you doing okay? And I just started looking at him like, motherfucker, like, I felt like I was dying ten minutes ago. I'm doing fine now. (laughs) Yeah, that's a question that should have been asked ten minutes ago. (laughs) No, I've had some good times, like I said. uh, It is funny and kind of unique for everybody's introduction to it. I've seen some other people's introduction. I'm not going to name any names, but one of my very good friends, her very first time was like on her 25th or 26th birthday. And her first... Very first hit was off of a blueberry strain. It's mm. like you have no idea how lucky you are right now. <laughs> so yeah, it's just it's fun, man. I, I enjoy sharing it with people. Yeah, it yeah, yeah, me too. And I mean, as we already pointed out before, it is kind of weaves into the show in a way where I know that we've both refused to take notes without being stoned. Oh before. yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> I don't care which film it is, good, bad, or somewhere in between, I get down. Mm-hmm. All of our notes are taken under the influence, both watchings under the influence. Yeah. There's been times where I've been almost dry and I've just saved that bowl because I'm like, all right, well, I still have to watch the movie this week, so. Yeah, this is a good time for it. 
Every time is a good time for it, but right. especially when we have to get into our babies. And speaking of babies, number right, 66, look, right? Wow. And, uh, I mean, I brought that up in this section because that's kind of guts and bolts of the show. It certainly but now is. now we can right get back into in. the guts and bolts of the movie. Wow. So, number 66, we said, is our 420 episode. We chose Idle Hands from 1999, released here in the United States. So, I guess if, uh, if you want to kick it off, man, we start talking about the people who were behind the film. And our director for this is Rodman Flender. Interesting person. So, I looked into his credits. He's directed films such as Leprechaun, Part 2. He did a few episodes of Tales from the Crypt. He did the Food for Thought episode from 1993, and an episode called 99 and 44100s, Pure Horror from 1995. Now, I know you're a little bit more familiar with Tales from the Crypt than I am. I am. Uh, do you remember those episodes? Food for Thought sounds familiar, and I'm not sure about the 99 and 44. There was a time period in the, like the mid-90s where I didn't catch a couple of those seasons because I didn't have HBO. Mm-hmm. So I was familiar with like some of the early seasons and then some of the later seasons. That's why I might be familiar with both. I just haven't watched them in a while. I'm just trying to figure this guy out because there was something that I realized when I was looking into his credits. First off, this movie, even though I know we both enjoy it, which, I mean, that's a little bit of a spoiler for the How Did You Make Us Squeal, but we both enjoy this movie. It's not a well-received movie, and it no. was a box office It was a bomb. flop. Yeah. yeah, and we'll get into the details of why, but you're, you're absolutely right about that. You consider a few of his credits. I mean, the, the few then, that I mentioned beforehand were pretty, you know, reputable. Uh, Leprechaun 2 has a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's hard to believe. Now, it mentioned that he has a couple credits directing The Office... He does. And so I was like, oh, that's interesting. I love The Office. I wonder which ones he did. And I went and looked it up. I've got them written down. Yeah. Uh, They're not that great of episodes. He directed The Whale episode and Lice episode from... Season 9. Yeah. uh, Episodes 9 and 10, I believe. That's funny, dude. Once you get that late in the show, nothing is really all that great as compared to... Oh, what? yeah, exactly. Like seasons three through five. That's why it's interesting, like, with Tales from the Crypt, no, he did a couple of the uh, earlier season episodes. And he's also directed episodes. Now, we should mention, too, that he's known primarily for doing TV work. So there's a lot of TV credits that I'm going to mention. Arliss is a TV show. He directed four episodes from 1996 through 97. He directed five episodes of Party of Five. We've mentioned that show several times. He's also responsible for directing an episode of the Dawsons. He directed Party of Five. His wife's the co-creator. Well, that makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know that, but it makes sense. So a little bit later on, he actually directed the documentary for Conan O'Brien, Can't Stop. We mentioned both of the episodes of The Office, and he directed the Scream TV series that just recently came out. I mean, he keeps getting work. We like this movie. Yeah. But overall, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's nothing to really write home about. But I don't want to shit on his parade too no, much. Like, no, no, he's doing a lot more work than I am. What but. I'm getting at, too, is like they're pretty solid credits. I mean, they might not be the best credits when you consider directors, mm-hmm. but he gets work. There's a reason. We enjoy this movie, so bravo. Our writers for this film are Terry Hughes and Ron Milbauer. Now, the interesting thing when I started looking into the credits, 
it would appear that they are writing partners because almost every single credit they share. Oh, okay. So I'll name a few because they share both. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers from 1995. Are you fucking kidding me? I love the Power Ranger movie. I'm for reals. You're going to like this. Supernatural from 05. I think they actually wrote the pilot, if I'm not oh. mistaken. Yeah. They helped write for the show Eureka. They helped write for the show Alphas and Quantum Break. Our cinematographer, now this is a pretty interesting name, Christopher Baffa. He's on cinematography for films such as Piranha, Suicide Kings. We've mentioned this film last week because I believe the editor for this film worked with him on Carnival of Souls from 1998. Oh, shit, sorry. Uh, Milbauer and Burton wrote the episode that got me into Supernatural, the second oh, episode. Oh, no, you're right. It was the, um, the Wendigo, Wendigo. Yeah, I think it was the second and third episode that they wrote together. Christopher Baffa also was the DP for Next Friday, so we talked about stoner comedies. <laughs> <laughs> He's also the cinematographer for the film Running With Scissors. He did a few episodes of Nip Tuck, which starred one of the actresses from Event Horizon. He also was the cinematographer for the pilot episode of American Horror Story. He was a cinematographer for, I think, most of not all of Glee, and also for the show Dominion. Our editor on this film is Stephen E. Rifkin. This person's got some really cool credits. So this person helped edit the film Hot Dog, the movie. This goes way back, like wow. early 80s. Fast forward a couple years, one of my favorite comedies from the early 90s, Robin Hood, Men in Tights. Nice. He's also went on to edit the film The Hurricane, Swordfish, Ali. So a few of those with uh, Will Smith. Password Swordfish? password <laughs> he went on to direct some later movies in this series of pirates of the caribbean he edited the curse of the black pearl dead man's chest and at world's end he's also responsible for editing avatar one and two is i think announced i'm not sure if it's in pre-production but it has been announced and he's editor on elite uh, battle angel yeah and fantastic four as well so some really cool credits for this editor our music is by graham rebel now graham rebel i had to look this person up for very good reasons because when you start looking at the credits it's like overwhelming well the crow yeah huge from dusk till dawn hello uh, the saint yeah bride of chucky bride of chucky Daredevil, one of our favorites. Oh, Sin ben. City? Yeah, dude. One of my favorites. I fucking love Sin City, dude. Boxing. Oh, I did want to mention this film. Boxing Helena. <laughs> it has Julian Sands, who played Warlock, if you're familiar with that film. Warlock. I actually like that film. And it has Sherilyn Finn from Twin Peaks fame. And that's a f it's a really good film, but it's really fucked up. Oh, we already mentioned it, but Mighty Morphin's Power Rangers the movie. Hell yeah. Street Fighter, the movie. A film I really do like is The Basketball Diaries. That's a Leonardo DiCaprio oh, film yeah. in Marky Mark when he was still, I think he was still in the Funky Bunch. Feel it, feel it, feel the vibration. Uh, Spawn. Yeah, dude. Spawn, The Craft, some really cool films. Suicide Kings. Yeah, a lot of cool films. A lot I of mean, films it just, that and he's still doing work. My it's, it's amazing. I didn't realize how much I'd heard this guy until, yeah. This yeah. is ridiculous. And he's from Auckland, New Zealand, so big kudos to him. Blow? Did we mention Blow? We should. <laughs> it's a good movie, man. Johnny Depp? Hell yeah. All right, our special effects team. This is really some cool teams. There's Canem Creations, 
FX Concepts in Visual Concept Engineering, otherwise known as VCE. Our producers on the film are Andrew Licht, Jeffrey A. Miller, Jennifer Todd, and Suzanne Todd. The production companies were Columbia Pictures Corporation, Light Miller Film Corporation, Team Todd, and TriStar Pictures. Distributors for the film were Columbia Pictures and Sony Pictures Releasing. They helped with the 1999 USA theatrical release. And Sony Pictures Entertainment, SPE, helped with the worldwide all-media release for this film. The budget for this film is ridiculous. $25 million for this. And when we look at the return numbers, let's look at the box office gross. $25 million for this? And there's even parts in the movie where they do things so that they're not having to use as much effects for the rest of the movie. For reals, yeah. They write in some things so that they can just do some easier tricks to get away with some of what they've done. Cheaper (sighs) for the rest of the movie. I'm trying to think where the hell they put all this money into. Oh, Seth Green. Probably. <laughs> God damn, no, probably. No, I like Seth Green, but you, you're probably right. All right. So we said the estimated budget, $25 million. Opening weekend, this was reported as of May 2nd, 1999. It made $1.8 million, and it grossed as of June 13th, 1999, $4 million. Add in advertisement. <laughs> This thing, there's no way it's even come close to, like, maybe half what it owes. Yeah, there's no way that this movie this movie Gosh. is still lost money, I would say. Even with this many years now of potential DVD and Blu-ray, is there a Blu-ray for this? There is. There actually is. And all it is, really, is kind of like a, a watered-down version of the DVD release, to be honest. I don't think it's got a really proper one here in the States, unfortunately. Like, you know, with like special features and all that stuff. But anywho, the release date was April 30th, 1999, here in the United States. I've got a couple of taglines, because you know I like my taglines. I've got three of them. Right, so do you think part of the problem with it not making that much money was... Oh, I know uh, what happened around the time, too. It's a stoner movie that they didn't release before the 20th of April. They released it in April. and Yeah, they waited till after... Not only that, no, at this time, too, I should make mention of this. This is kind of a, not really a spoiler, but it should be noted that this came out around the time of the Columbine oh. high school shooting. So there's some subject matter in this kind of, in a weird way, kind of ties in that. Not really, but kind of. Right. Yeah. So I think it may be, too, around that time period, you know, it wasn't the, the best People of feel good times. People about going out and watching a movie. Yeah, and getting stoned. How they should have. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so I've got three taglines. The first one I've got. Now, the first and second one are kind of, they're almost flip-flops of each other. The first one is the film that gives horror movies the finger. Okay. All right. The second tagline is the comedy that gives horror films the backhand. Okay. <laughs> I know, right? Rather, rather similar. I like this one. This is probably my favorite out of all three of them. The touching story of a boy and his right hand. <laughs> That's my favorite. I yep, love that yep, one. <laughs> I like that one. I think I might get that tattooed on my, <laughs> on my right hand. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's my taglines. This is the end of my who's behind the making of the film. Now, I'd like to talk about the cast of the film. We've got some really, really cool people in this film. Probably where a lot of the budget went. 
So our cast, I'd like to mention, before we mention Seth Green, is I want to mention Devin Sawa. And he plays Anton Tobias in this film. So let's see. Yeah, you know where I'm going with this. Oh man, I've been watching him since I was little because you have 94's Little Giants. Yeah, that was the which first I still thing remember I remember going and from. seeing it in the theaters. It'd be so good. Annexation of Puerto Rico. Oh, yeah, I fucking love it. Fucking worked. He was human Casper. Yes, he was. Also went and saw it in the theaters. Here's a really cool film credit. This is a film that came out before he did Idle Hands, and it also stars Matthew Lillard and a few other interesting people. I've still never seen this. Also, dude, punk. you need to watch it. Salt Lake City Punk is fucking awesome. It's really good. He was also in the very first Final Destination that spawned that whole franchise. He was in a little music video for a some would consider the Goat, if you know what I mean. Oh shit! Yeah, because he was Stan, wasn't he? Yeah, he was Stan in Eminem's E video. Let's I remember see, him from that. Um, when I was really little, I loved watching Wild America on PBS. That's actually a pretty decent film. And then film. they did the uh, the movie with JTT. Yeah. And he was the older brother. I remember seeing that film. He was Mark Stopher to JTT's Marty Stopher. Let Stopher, me ask you this. Stopher, I can't remember. Stopher, Stopher. Uh, One question I have for you, because you did grow up around this time period, and you were a little bit younger than me. Do you remember... Like those little heartthrob magazines for teen girls that had these two guys oh, in it. Oh shit! Oh yeah. Oh no, I couldn't get like away Tiger from Beat seeing this motherfucker all the time when I was yeah. Because that's what I was getting all, at. All the girls had this guy. Yeah. I, uh, one of my sisters, she knows who she is. She used to hang that shit up in her bedroom. She had him all over the wall. Yeah. So Devin also been in the, one of my favorite, a little bit of a stoner comedy. It's a movie called Slackers. It has. The guy who played the older Pete in it. That movie's really good. It has Jason Schwartzman in it and uh, Jamie King and a couple other people in it. It's really funny. Jason Siegel's in it as well. He went on to do work on the television series Nikita and somewhere in between. So he's gone on to do a little bit more credits. He actually took a break. He said he kind of got to the point where he wasn't really having fun, like doing films, and he was getting too much attention. And he's Canadian, so (laughs) he didn't really... He's like, he just wanted to hang out and just enjoy right. a normal life. Go out for a rip. Yeah, just go out, you know, hang out with your friends, you know, play some Out ice hockey. Poutini weenie. Get some, yeah, get some poutini weenies, play some hooky. You know, have a good time. Get some Molson. But anyhow, he said he started to miss it, and then he went on to do some television work and some independent films. He's also been in some, like, independent horror films, which is kind of neat. Right, cool. So, moving on, we've got Seth Green, who plays Mick. Yeah, now where Devin stars kind of... Faded out over the years. Yeah, I mean Seth, he hasn't been like in the limelight like he was back like yeah. Austin Powers. That dude, but shooting star works like motherfucker. <laughs> yes, he does, and he's man, he's got some really cool credits. So when I started looking through his catalog, there is a film he's in. I can't remember where he's at in the film. It's a Christian Slater film. I'd highly recommend it for anybody who's a Christian Slater fan. He was in the film Pump Up the Volume. We've actually covered one half. Of a series, miniseries that he was in. Yeah, he was the original Richie. Beep, beep. (laughs) Yeah, from It, 1990. He was also in The Wonder Years. Maybe even a few episodes. He went on to do an episode of The X-Files. I do remember that episode. He was in a film. A lot of people, actually, I think you and I have mentioned this because how does this get made? I actually did an episode on it. The film Airborne. (laughs) Oh, right. I actually like that film. They rip on it. I can understand. If you didn't grow up watching it, Probably doesn't make a lot of sense. But then he started hitting home runs with 
the films like Austin Powers. One I remember from high school is Can't Hardly Wait. He was a part of Buffy the Vampire Slayer Dude, TV series. Love Can't Hardly Wait. It was so good. It was Great probably the cast. first place where I saw him and really, like, from that point, always recognized him. Yeah, he was kind of a mainstay right around that time period too. He did a film with Macaulay Culkin called Party Monster. Mm. Highly recommend it. It's about the party kids from like the '80s, the party scene '90s, I believe, maybe early '90s rave scene in New York. A really interesting story. He went on also to do work in a film called Without a Paddle. We've mentioned Matthew Lillard. He did The Robot Chicken. He's like the creator of that show. Are you familiar with that? Co-creator does the most voices out of anybody on it. He even rips Um, on like a lot of his own work. So he's very Uh, humble. Director, writer, exec producer. (sighs) Love Robot Chicken. It's really good, man. He also voices Chris and Family Guy. Oh, yeah, as well as various voices. uh, I mean, all over. American Dad for three episodes. If you're so from much like, shit. Yeah, if you're from our age group, our generation, you should be familiar with South Korean. I mean, he was also in like that '70s show. He was in a few episodes for, of yeah, that, four yeah. or five episodes. So I mean, I've seen him in so much shit. There's a lot of stuff I'm probably forgetting, but he's got a wealth of TV work, film work. I mean, he's pretty good. I like him. The next person I got written down, one of our favorites, Eldon Henson. He Dude, plays. I love Eldon Henson. Pinup. <laughs> Work, work and penub and not a I was like, place. we should mention that. Work All right, so <laughs> I'm glad you said that. All right, so the names Mick and Penub, they're plays on Eddie Murphy's Buckwheat from, no shit. from they? SNL. They are making fun of that. They talked about that in the commentary in this film. I didn't hear it, but I did see it, you know, where they talked about it. So for those who are unfamiliar, Eddie Murphy. I had no idea. Yes, yeah. that's the first thing I think of. Eddie right Murphy, Pinot. when he was doing uh, Buckwheat Sings. Yeah, he would do popular songs from those time periods, like the seventies. And yeah, that was one of them. Looking for love in all the wrong places. So he says, when you say Mick and Penub like fast together, it kind of sounds like that. Mm. Looking for Nub. <laughs> all the wrong places. Now let's see. Uh, help. I mean, I already okay, talked so about Hansen, how yes. Devin went back into my early history. Oh, dude. Uh, so does Eldon, because he was Fulton Reed. Fulton Reed. Mighty Ducks. One of the uh, Bros, I mean, bro. Mighty Ducks was the reason that I bought Queen's Greatest Hits as oh, the first nice. album that I ever bought with my own money. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> like, okay, dude. Actually, he was in a film before that, before the Mighty Ducks. He was in a film with Elijah Wood in a film called Radio Flyer. Oh, yeah. That one will tug at the fucking heartstrings, buddy. He's also in Turner and Hooch. Yes, he was. He did, He's a child actor. Or he's not anymore a child actor, but he started off as a child actor. Now, you talked about the Mighty Ducks series. His brother was also in the Mighty Ducks. I can't remember his brother's name right off the top of my head. But his brother, if you're familiar with the Mighty Ducks series, was the blonde-haired guy who was dating the really cute girl in the oh, film. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, so that's his brother. And he talked about the he fact... He was Jermaine. Yeah. yeah. His, he said his brother took a, uh, a slap shot to his helmet. He's like, that's what the only incident that ever happened on any of those movies. Because they were like, yeah, they kind of babied us and protected us. And he's like, but yeah, my brother got a good crack upside his head. <laughs> Anyhow. Uh, but then in recent years, I have loved him as Foggy Nelson in yeah, Marvel's dude. Daredevil. You know, he was uh, he was also in the Hunger Games. I didn't realize that. I think in the Which those game. movies made all the money, so people yeah. obviously went out and saw them. I didn't see them. I'd like to name a few credits too. You might have seen him in. Uh, have you seen She's All That? Uh, yes. He was in She's All That. He was also in Castaway. Wilson. 
good. How about uh, the butterfly effect? Seen it? How about Dumb and Dumberer when Harry met uh, Lloyd? I, I refuse to watch that. <laughs> I'll put it this way. You get really, really stoned and watch it. That's about the only way you can take it. It's actually not bad. It's not bad. He was in Lords of Dogtown, dude. Awesome scam oh, movie. Nice. Fuck yeah. yeah. He was in Rise, Blood Hunter. We'd mentioned Daredevil and the Defenders as Foggy Nelson. So yeah, I mean, he's still doing good work. Solid actor, man. I have been going back through ER, but I haven't got up to the episode that he's in yet. So. Nice. Yeah, there's a couple of these actors and actresses who either, you know, made appearances in ER or were like steady workers. All right. Now, this is a big name now. Back then, kind of, but right now, definitely. Back then, not quite, because this was her second movie, if yeah. you're about to name who I think you're going to. Oh, you know I am. And her first one had only came out like two weeks before. Yeah, so we're talking about Miss Mrs. now, Mrs. Jessica Alba. She plays Molly in the film. Now, I actually go a little bit further back than her first movie appearance, even further back than her big-time TV series. She was in a Nickelodeon series called The Secret World of Alex, Alex Mack. Mack. She played, like, I think Alex Max, her, like, arch nemesis. It's like a bully. I do remember watching that for various reasons. She went on to star in the 1995 through 1997 TV series Flipper because of some of her work in Alex Mack. Like I said, she went on to do Never Been Kissed. After she did Idle Hand, she got the role for Dark Angel, which ran from 2000 through 2002. Then she made a film called Honey that was kind of one of those films in the early 2000s that was, for us in our society, like culturally, it was, I won't say push an envelope, but it was just trying to get some recognition for urban life and just uh, interracial relationships and, you know, stuff like that. Uh, I watched it to see Jessica Alba. Who didn't? Did I already mention that I love Sin City? Because she's in Sin City. Yeah, she is. She was also in Fantastic Four. She was in the film Into the Blue. Good luck, Chuck. I'm guilty of seeing that. Not a big fan of uh, Dane oh, Cook. Well, I watched Into the Blue, so... Well, yeah. R.I.P. Paul Walker. Yeah. Yeah, that's sad. Uh, I also watched The Love Guru. I which did, she's too. she's also in. Yeah, she is. Which is a horrendous movie. Sorry, Michael Myers. I love Michael Myers, but yeah, this kind of a shitty film. Oh, how about Machete? Machete. Yeah, I like that. And Machete she, don't take. She went on to do work in Little Fockers. Mm-hmm. You're familiar with that? Meet the Fockers. Sin City actually, 2, of course. Yeah, she's a good actress, man. So that's uh, this was actually probably outside of Alex Mack. This was probably the, the one that really was like, oh shit, who is that? She. Well, I, we should yeah. note too that she was only 17 at the time of filming. Right. You know, there's something else I'll mention, too, but we'll get into okay. that later. So, right, There's a few other main build actors and actresses I want to mention. There's two. I have Vivica A. Fox as Debbie LeCure. Liquor? Liquor. <laughs> Damn right, liquor. I would. <laughs> a sister liquor? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so when I looked at some of Vivica's film credits, I started recognizing some, because I'm a product of the 80s and 90s, mostly 90s. She was in films such as Set It Off, the film Booty Call. She was in Batman and Robin. Not the best one <laughs> by any stretch. She was also in Soul Food. Then she went on to do uh, some work in the film such as Teaching Mrs. Tingle. Pretty decent. She was in Joanna Man. She went on to do some Tarantino work in Kill Bill's Volume 1 and 2. Vernita Green. You know it. I think we've mentioned before that I'm a fan of Jamie Kennedy. I'm not afraid to admit it. She wasn't kicking it old school. Did we mention Independence Day? We should. (laughs) 
She was in... Did we mention a fantastic made-for-TV movie, Tuskegee Airmen? Oh, yeah. It was really good, actually. You're right. There's a film that's actually coming out on 420. It's the Super Troopers Part 2, and the reason I mentioned that, she was not in either one of those, but she was in the production, the Broken Lizard film, The Slammin' Salmon, <laughs> which is actually pretty funny, man. And she was also in Curb Your Enthusiasm. I think she was in a few episodes of that. Now, she's gone on to do some other television work and series I didn't really write down, but, I mean, she's still doing work. She's a great actress. She is. I was going to say, I feel like Vivica Fox, we probably don't really have to explain who she is. No. But in case we do, you need that, to know. that's who. <laughs> mm-hmm. Everybody we just mentioned, that's who. All right. Now, I would mentioned earlier Event Horizon, and the reason why is because there's also an actor that's in this film. He played Baby Bear, Justin. And in this film, I'm talking about Jack Noseworthy because he plays Randy. Now, you know, I mentioned when we both mentioned some of his uh, credits when we did Event Horizon. So I'm just going to name a few that I remember him from. I think I mentioned that he was an Encino man. It was probably the first one where I seen him in. Right. He went on much later to do things like Killing Kennedy, where he played Bobby Kennedy. He was in The Secret Life of Marilyn Monroe. He I was thinking from Live 571 myself. Yeah. I mean, he is, he's a pretty distinguishable person. He's a pretty good actor, too, I have to say. There's something interesting about this film because there's another actress in this film he didn't know he had relation to. I'm going to mention her in just a moment. So, moving on from Jack, I have written down Katie Wright. She plays Tanya. And Katie Wright and Jack Noseworthy did not know that they were half-siblings before they met on the set of Idle Hands. Now, I don't know the details. I didn't really look into it too much. I was like... I'm kind of curious. <laughs> I'm kind of curious about that story. Like, how the hell did they figure this out? So anyhow, I do know that Katie had a son with uh, Hank. It should be Hank in the area. Yeah, Hank. Yeah, the son's name is Hal. They had a child together on June 6, 2009, and... If people don't know who Hank Azaria is, you should know. I mean, he has multiple voices on The Simpsons. Yeah, not that she isn't great, but yeah, I mean the fact that she's married to him—that's that's pretty. That's pretty awesome. I don't even know if they got married. I think they were just no, a couple. They've been married since oh, okay. 2007. You demand. <laughs> but yeah, I thought it was kind of neat. It's like, wow, I had no idea that this actress here in Idle no. Hands, yeah, Apu, Apu. Come on. Chief Wiggum, comic book guy, Carl Carlson. I actually was talking to somebody the other day about the film. Uh, the Birdcage. Oh, okay. Yeah, because, you know, Robin Williams is in it, and uh, Nathan Lane. And I was like, man, Hank Azaria is so good in that film. Like, <laughs> if you haven't seen it, go check it out. It's fucking hilarious. But, yeah, Katie Wright, she's actually, I don't think she did a whole bunch of work outside of this. I know she went on to do some television series, a couple, like, uh, films. But I think she kind of took a break for the most part. What I've got, got a, next? I've got a few other people. I've okay. got... Sean Whalen, he plays Officer McMacy in this film. He's one of two police officers in this film. Now, there's a film I know we're going to touch upon. It's a Wes Craven film, one of the first films. I probably saw him in, Sean Whalen, that is. And he's in a film called The People Under the Stairs. Oh, yeah, we're definitely Dude, getting into that at some fucking point. Fucking film's so. so great. So I remember seeing him in that. He's actually in a film that we're anticipating, Death House. Oh, yep. Yeah. Now, he shared a credit, too, with the other officer in this film. Now, Sean and Nicholas Sadler, who plays Officer Ruck in this film, they were in Twister together, (laughs) which I thought was kind of cool. And uh, Nicholas Sadler was also in Scent of a Woman. He was also in Fair Game. I've got a few others. There's, There's a really, mostly it's cameos, but there's a few other people. Fred Willard 
plays Mr. Tobias and Connie Ray plays Mrs. Tobias. I think that might be where some of that 25 fucking million went, was getting Fred Willard to be in this movie for seven a seven-minute cold intro. Exactly. And when I talk about Fred Willard, Fred Willard's actually a really interesting person. He also shares something in common with Pee Wee Herman. Yeah, I was about to say, I knew something like that happened pretty recently, right? <laughs> yeah, it did. Which is really weird, man, when you consider. That's like, I had no idea, Fred. But I'm not judging. No, yeah. Yeah, because, well, I mean, we're, we shouldn't just hint at it. Like, he got caught whacking it, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he went... Whacking. He was whacking. <laughs> but, as a, you know, he didn't hurt anybody that I'm aware of. But we should really talk about his film credits. Because he's been in so much stuff, man. I just want to name a few, but... I think he's done some work with, uh, I can't remember the name of the like the company, but he's been in films like Best in Show. The, all the Christopher Guest movies. Yeah, I love exactly. Him in, like A Mighty Wind. And man, A Mighty Wind's funny. Yeah. Is he, he's in Guffman, right? Waiting for Guffman. And oh, yeah. He's one of the people that Christopher Guest pulls in. So, I mean, most of the time, 90% of the time, if there's a fucking Christopher Guest flick, <laughs> he's going to be in it. What's so. really interesting, too, is he's done a lot of voice work uh he was in how high when we're on our yes he was <laughs> yeah he was he's actually he's funny in that too in some of those uh party scenes mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my gosh yeah yeah fred willard man it's like cool he was also in like the waynes brothers step by step i mean roseanne we talked about that lewis and clark if you like some of the early <laughs> superman uh, wedding planner if you want to get down to some j-lo yeah, dude. He was in Sister Sister, Family Matters. Anchorman. Yeah, dude. I mean... Oh, oh shit. Hey, well, it's our 420 episode. Harold and Kumar. Yeah. Fucking hell, dude. I, you know what? If this wasn't a horror podcast, man, it'd be awesome to do comedy. Because <laughs> there's some good ones for 420. <laughs> but yeah, Fred Willard, like I said, he made a... You're right, a cold opening for all of seven minutes. And Connie Ray, who plays Mrs. Tobias. Kind of the same thing. There's some other people I want to mention, one in particular, because she was a playmate, April 1997, not that I would know, but I'm talking about Kelly Monica. She plays Tiffany, much later in the film. Timothy Stack, he's another well-known actor, he's in it for all of just maybe a minute. He plays Principal Tidwell. Mindy Sterling, she's a lady bowler. Oh, wait, just uh, televisions, Timothy Stack? Yeah. TVs, Timothy Stack? That's how I best know him. He played... TV's Timothy Stack and my name is Earl. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's a pretty like I said a pretty recognizable person, but he's not in it for very long. He has a pretty interesting scene. Kyle Gass we talked about from Tenacious so, D. Okay, if yeah. you're not familiar, if we're gonna, so there's a, a few cameos that it would be fun to watch this movie for, yeah. just to see if you can spot them. Exactly. Kyle Gass is in a blink and you'll miss it role, and you still might not even actually recognize him. That's very true. Same with Tom DeLonge. Yeah, he's in it for all of, I think, three to five seconds. Usually known better for uh, Blink-182. Blink-182, I would hope you would know that. And the band, because it's, I mean, it's in the film, so... Yeah, so in case you don't recognize the band on site, which, by the way, I would have been listening to their music at the time, but mm-hmm. without the internet, yeah. and without actually having MTV myself, when I first saw Idle Hands, I did not recognize that that was The Offspring. Yeah, I, I think by then I knew who they were, yeah. I wouldn't have been able to recognize them on site because I didn't have well, that would make more sense, than dial-up yeah. internet. I didn't actually have MTV. Unless you heard them on the radio, I you don't get any faces. I only heard songs on the radio. Yeah, which is understandable. But yeah, the offspring are in this film. So I think some of the, maybe even some of the cameos, 
some of that money went to. And supposedly oh. Ricky Martin's in this movie, but I couldn't. Not only I that. didn't see him. Not only that. <laughs> I, I'll mention. I want to save a name. I'll save a name for when we get into oh, the squeal. Okay, I think I know who you're going to yeah. say. Because I did not see them anywhere in the fucking film, but they are in it. So we'll put a pin mark and talk about later. So this oh, is and I'm sorry. the offspring being they're what they're from like Orange County, right? I think so. Yeah. Which um, makes they were repping Orange County with AFI? punk with the AFI yeah, shirt. It's really cool. <laughs> yeah, and we should mention too because and that would have been like early AFI too that they were it was super there. early. Yeah. I mean, early nineties. I want to say early nineties, but it was in the nineties. Mm-hmm. This film was filmed in and around Culver City, Hollywood, Pasadena, Orange County. <laughs> so yeah, so it would make sense. So anyhow, this is our cast and our crew. We've mentioned well, we didn't mention a brief synopsis, did we? Oh no! Some of the taglines kind of gave it away. Yeah, I was about to say the taglines kind of gave it away, but a touching story of a boy and his right hand. The movie's idle hands, and literally the the idle hands are the devil's plaything plays into it. So there's a fucking possessed hand. Yeah. So if you're familiar with proverbs, you know it's in that. But yeah, I mean the name implies what the film's about. If you've seen the DVD cover or the movie poster, you should know what it's about. It's a teen comedy horror from 1999. And so what do we have left? Warning? Warnings. Let me see. Decent gore. Yeah, some pretty decent gore. Decent gore. A lot better than I remembered. Uh, some There's titties. some... Oh, yeah. Uh, there's some mild violence. Mild violence. Definitely language. The worst violence gets cut away from. It does. It's good. Like I said, some language. Definitely stoner moments. There's some animal yeah, there's, abuse. There's, uh, oh, how should we... There's on-screen drug use depiction. Yes, trying to think that's i mean it's language teen, yeah. language yeah like i said we talked about titties um yeah i mean it's a teen comedy horror it's, it's not all that you know over the top it has its moments of comedy and horror uh jack noseworthy scamming on an underage chick yeah and so was devin sawa <laughs> which we'll talk about later <laughs> but yeah that's that's your warnings dude 420 idle hands how does that make you squeal I'm so ready God, what's happening to me? Oh God, where am I? Why am I hearing these things? Oh God, what, what's going on? Oh Jesus, come on. Oh my God, what's, what's going on? Where, where am I? Oh gee, why, why? Come on, somebody, somebody. Ah, come on, come on, come on. Come on, somebody. Sir. Sir, you must come listen on, to me. Sir, I only have one question. How does that make you squeal? Alright, Danny, how does this movie make you squeal? It made me squeal all the way back to high school. For very obvious reasons, because one of the major plots in this film happens in high school. So... I think I caught it, if I'm not mistaken, like around that time period. I don't think I saw it in the theater, but I did watch it on VHS, for those who are curious and are familiar. This one goes way back with me. I used to watch this one a good bit, too, back in the day. How about you? I would have seen this one about the time it came on HBO around the first time. You know, like a year or so after its release. Probably in 2000 or so. Mm -hmm. Never saw it that many times. Maybe once or twice when I was young... And then maybe once again when I was around 20 or 21. But this is the first time I've seen it in quite a few years. So Yeah, I haven't seen it. It's been quite a few years as well. But it's one I'm very familiar with. Like I said, I've seen it several times in my late teens, early 20s. 
See, now that's the thing. It had been long enough for me that I had forgotten one detail that made the movie a little bit more fun for me. <laughs> this is the spoiler section, by the way. Spoilers. So, um, I forgot that he was the killer from the get-go. I was waiting for the hand to get possessed and instead ran into the reveal that he had just been the one to do it all. And I was like, oh, yeah, actually, that's a pretty fucking neat idea. Mm-hmm. But then it made me think, like, now later on, and now that we fucking sit here and review movies and talk about it and all this shit, I'm like, man, if he's going to be the killer all along, they could have played with that a bit better and maybe played yeah. up the horror aspect of this more. But I agree. I'm not quite sure how, but now I feel like there's a little bit of a missed opportunity there, but I don't know. For this time period, I think, too, it's basically aimed towards teens, you know. And I didn't know how far they wanted to get into horror because it played with it, it tinkered with it. That was the other thing I, I sort of thought as I watched this movie was it feels like they really just want this to be a 90s teen comedy. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Ni- and there was a lot of those coming out around that time period too. That just happens to involve this sort of horror premise. Yeah, and I made brief mention too, like around the time period this came out, it was a huge tragedy, you know, with the Columbine yeah. high school shooting. So some of this, because we're in spoilers, you know, it plays on the fact that you have a teenage high school killer on the list. Yeah. I really enjoyed this movie. I um, did too, but, for a lot of reasons. But when I was watching through it, that was the other... I kind of wish that they wouldn't have wanted to make it as straight up of a comedy. Mm-hmm. Especially because they sort of went the slapstick route. They certainly do. And nothing against Devin Sawa, but for as much physical comedy as he's called upon to do in this movie, he does pretty decent job. I think he does. But I don't think it's necessarily his strong suit. It's not what he's known for. And I don't know, I feel like it wasn't set up as well as like other slapstick that we've even seen in mm-hmm. horror. I mean, I'm thinking about Brain Dead right now. Oh I'm my gosh, yeah. Dead I mean, Alive. That's... Is amazingly done slapstick, splatstick, if you will. Oh, man, yeah. And this, they just don't set it up as well. Yeah, they, 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 they execute him as like They rely way too much on, on Devin, and he does a good job, but he's being forced to do it all himself. You're absolutely right about that. He has to carry a, a pretty heavy load for this film all the way throughout, too. A lot of it is physical humor, you know, and that's a heavy chore for somebody, even, you know, in that age group, too, if you think about that. It's like, that's a heavy kind of thing to try to pull off. And I can see in 1999 them not trying to do this, especially with the overall atmosphere and, like I said, all the other teen comedies that were coming out around that time period. But this movie might have been better served as more of a black comedy rather than a slapstick comedy. I tend to agree with that. There were some things in this film that were cut out that was going to get a lot darker, <laughs> but tonally, it didn't really fit with how they were going along. So I do know that this director, he said throughout the process, he kind of liked it being organic in the sense that as the film was progressing, they just kind of filmed the way that it was developing. They had other intentions, but it didn't really fit the way, you know, that path they were choosing. So it turned into more, like I said, like a slapstick teen horror comedy. I have nothing against it because, like I said, it did kind of, for me, and I understand that we're marketing it toward my kind of age group, Mm -hmm. and hello, (laughs) (laughs) fell for it, (laughs) but, you know, 
Yeah, I felt like they wanted to go dark comedy in horror. They had all the elements for it. Yeah, and they could have. There were so many fun times where they could have played on like the fact that the friends are zombies, and then he has like a giant open wound for most of the last half of the movie, and they, they missed a lot of opportunities man, to play. With you're that. right because. As much as I like Seth Green and I like Eldon Henson, it's like they didn't really do a whole lot other than be sidekicks and just give a little bit of comic relief for the most part. Yeah, and considering that they're undead, it didn't really serve a larger purpose. They're already looking over him is where I'm getting at. <laughs> All right, aside from that, some things that I do like too is you talked about if you pay attention, especially if you've seen it several times, how this film actually does kind of spell it out even in the beginning that yeah this is anton is responsible (laughs) yeah and the first thing that gave it away for me well not from the beginning because you get like a seven minute intro yeah not from the very beginning well okay first off we're talking about the beginning yeah i want to say something that i had forgotten that immediately took me aback was the credit sequence in this is pretty fucking dope i wrote it down i said cool intro had a music video feel from that time period, too. Yeah. Like a, a 90s video. But I liked it. It was like, yeah, it was a good introduction. And then it cues into the yard. Now, here's something cool. Now, this neighborhood was the same neighborhood used in Halloween from 1978. Oh. Yeah. That was really neat. I like that. You're right. That intro was really cool. That's something I totally forgot about, that intro. Fred Willard. <laughs> Fred Willard. Yeah. The message on the ceiling. That was pretty which, cool. Which, oh, that ends up recurring throughout the movie. At a point later on, I had to write down, like, so we know it's the possessed hand. Mm-hmm. So we're in the spoilers, by the way. Yeah, exactly. Where the fuck, because we never actually see it happen, where does it get the fucking glowy splooge to... To write it? Yeah. I don't know. We just know that he used it, but we don't know how It was like UV splooge. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it looked like. <laughs> <laughs> you got me, I don't know. I keep mentioning it, and it's because that opening scene takes a long fucking time. It does. And all it really results for in... All it does, for all it is is killing the parents and exactly. setting up that. Now, when we do finally get introduced to Anton, I do like it, it has That's that comedy thing. element. It doesn't properly set up that he's no. the killer either, it, because you don't get the puzzle piece... You you kind of do, but you kind of don't. 30 seconds before... What was the first tip-off for you that he was it? The fucking the fabric in the hand way later on. Mine. Did I miss something way earlier than that? I think so. And it's okay because it's an easy one to miss. It's the cat. So the cat in the beginning is with the mom. She holds the cat and she walks and then she finally lets it go. Now, if you think about where Anton's at, he's upstairs in the attic. And she, I think, eventually closes his chute because he has to redo it in the morning. But the cat's upstairs with him when he's waking up. Oh. So I'm like, if he's upstairs, how did the cat get upstairs? And then, it, you know, with it being That's closed. That's actually pretty good. I missed that. Yeah. So that was my first step. I was like, that takes a little finer detail because it's it's quick. It's still a little it's bit very of a stretch quick. when you're talking about a it, cat. It certainly yeah. is. But for them, because I know they're trying to be clever. Yeah. And then, of course, his, the rip in his shirt. I know we're kind of getting into it. But, yeah, there's kind of tip-offs throughout. And but that's, that's the, the first one that comes But that's the thing. Eye. The rip in the shirt happens about 30 seconds it does. before the actual reveal. Yeah, and that's a huge reveal, which is kind of neat because then it starts getting 
deeper and deeper and deeper into what the fuck's going on with him. But I think that's one of the missed opportunities. Like, you could better set it up from the get-go and start playing a little bit more mind games. Yeah. Get a little bit more in the horror realm, but it doesn't feel like that's what they were going for. I got a question for you. Yeah. This has to do with his run-in with the cops in that alleyway. Okay. Right. All right. You know, it, it's a build-up because he he knows his parents aren't home. He has to get food for himself. He has to get dog food. This, I wonder if you're going to make the same note that I did about okay. this. So he runs into the with cops. They're bullying him because you know it's a, the typical high school guy who gets picked on turns into a cop. Now he asks them about you know if they're holding, <laughs> you know, and they give him shit, of course, about it. And then you know because he's dry. His buddies tell him about the nutmeg and oregano. That's what I want to ask you about. Oh, okay. So first, before we move completely off the cops, okay, because I have something about the nutmeg and oregano too. Actually, okay, but we can go we talk move about completely the cops. off the cops. One of the little mess ups, in my opinion, that happened in this movie is that his asthma inhaler piece mm-hmm. was not built in such a way that when they grabbed it right there. They wouldn't have just been fucking smelling the shit. Oh out my of gosh, it would have probably reeked. That piece would have been reeking around his neck that entire movie. Yeah, there's no way that they would have just been like, "This is just an asthma inhaler." Given the fact that he's a lazy stoner, yeah, it's gonna not build make, up. It's a cool little piece. Yeah, but it's not built in a way where it wouldn't have been yeah, just fucking exactly. reeking. <laughs> it's not professionally built, so we're getting. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I think it's kind of neat to his run in because it pays off later on with the cops, which those two guys, man, especially Sean Whalen, the guy who gets tased in the face, he's kind of an interesting oh, character. That was super cool, the fucking taser in the face. I like I like the stabbing the both guy. Of it. The way they both Sadler, got fucking yeah, taken. They out. both did a good job with <laughs> playing out their downs. Which they were both pretty gnarly. Okay, so what were you going to ask about the nutmeg and oregano? Okay, so knowing that and knowing what we do. Have you ever tried any combinations of things like that? God damn it, that's the same thing I was going to ask you. <laughs> All right. Because I'm like, man, I need to ask Tyler this because I have a feeling you're going to ask me too. <laughs> uh, not nutmeg and oregano. <laughs> okay. Uh, I can't remember what the fuck it was called. But a time period where I was like working shitty jobs and then like out of work for a bit at home in between college and earning the workforce. And me and my brother and one of our friends, we... Whenever we could, we'd get stoned, but we're fucking broke most of the time, and sometimes it was just fucking hard to find and shitty little superior, especially at that time. Yeah, dry county. Yeah, but it didn't mean that we weren't looking for ways to fucking get high. There wasn't much else to do, especially during that time period. We'd want to just sit around, get stoned, and play cribbage and shit, and eat fucking bologna sandwiches. (laughs) Yeah. Like you do when you're fucking poor living in the middle of nowhere. One in Rome. So, like, it was during this time period, like, all of us, like, we weren't the biggest, biggest fans, them a little bit more than me, but, like, if you could find pills, you'd score those, because it was, at least you're getting high. Yeah. But most of the time, it was like, we wanted, we just want to get some, some fucking weed so we can just get high. And giggle. Get um, the giggles. But his mom had heard of something, like, she's like, look, supposedly you can trip balls off some, I can't fucking remember what it was called, that's right. the problem. We're like, okay. We'll try it, because we knew that you could get some of the fucking <laughs> herbal chick, the fucking hippie gal yeah. that lived right outside town, and also yeah. sold, like, tea blends and shit. Get the crystals on. Got whatever it was, and we're like, fucking, we don't want to fucking waste it, and built this tiny little fucking hot box in the middle of his living room by taking two couches <laughs> and flipping them both on their end and pushing them together, so it was like this little fucking... Wow. 
closed-in room, and we used pillows to seal up like a little the, fort. Yeah, it was like a little fort. And we crawled in there, and we're sitting there, fucking smoked the hot shit out of this hot boxing out. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Finally, get a chance to look it up later on. In a very, very, very small percentage of the population, it does produce hallucinations. Whatever it was, most often used as an aphrodisiac. Oh damn! <laughs> Hanging out and getting your dick hard. <laughs> Smoking to get you ding ding hard. <laughs> That's funny. None of us reported feeling any of those symptoms, but probably luckily. <laughs> yeah, and I don't remember what it was called, but Usually we did Schwartz. try that. And I've tried that stupid like spice and. Shit. I've done yeah, I've done that salvia and. Oh, well, I mean salvia's a bit different. Yeah, it is, but yeah, spice but, is a completely different yeah, thing. Yeah, I mean that's supposed to be fucking. It'll fuck you up, like, but. Kind of, man. I mean, the body high you can get off of it. Well, what I mean by that is, like, some people get fucking beyond what they need to get (laughs) on Um, that stuff. Fuck that shit, though. Yeah, no, I don't advertise for that at all. Don't advocate for it, either. Yeah, I mean, I've done it, though. Yeah, I'm not saying I did, but I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah, that's that's the closest I've gotten to nutmeg and oregano. What about you? No, No combinations of spices outside of what we just mentioned, you know. Done salvia, tried spice, I'm like, ugh. Yeah, if it's not green, I, you know, I don't know what you mean, bro. <laughs> yeah, that's how I feel about it. It's like, if I don't have it, I, you know, I can wait. come from the ground, I don't know why you're passing it around. That's homie. right, that's right, homie. That's like, I can wait, I can wait my turn. <laughs> so, no, actually, I, I didn't, I was thinking about that, because I knew no people who tried stupid shit like that, like combinations of spices and just, scent, you know, like, I'm going to smoke some cinnamon and blah, 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 blah. Like, okay, good luck. <laughs> have fun with that. I'll watch, document, that's what, that's what we do. <laughs> how science is made <laughs> so no I haven't but I just thought it was funny that he was stupid enough to try it in the film well and I love how he uses that as the explanation for the next like 10 minutes too yeah it's pretty it's like, like I told you this shit I shouldn't have done that shit <laughs> it's like why'd you tell me to smoke that shit I didn't yeah. uh, maybe not 100% because there was times where they had to fit in like expository dialogue yeah. and this and that but for the most part, I felt like the interplay between the three friends felt it's pretty really fucking good. natural. It's natural, yeah. They you could tell they were having on each time. other mm-hmm. the way that like any three friends would. Yeah, I felt that teenage all. guys. Yeah, fucking when he left, then pulling out the bag, I thought that was fucking great. Look like, at what I found. <laughs> yeah, I, he didn't say what he was holding. <laughs> yeah, he dude, had some it, good it lines. All felt pretty fucking yeah. great. I they know. all did. There's one line I do like that Devin Sawai had, and it had to do with the fact. During the, the reveal, where he, you know, he bumps into his parents, they fall out of the pumpkin heads and all that stuff. But then Eldon and Seth Green, anyhow, they come over and they see the dead parents. And then Eldon goes over and starts beating on Fred Willard. He's like, what? He's like, what the fuck, dude? This is my dad. I, for, for whatever reason, I just like that delivery of that line. I just thought it was funny. It's like, it's just a really good comedy timing. So yeah, there's some there's some really good moments like that. There's some moments like you talked about the gore, the hand itself, which is interesting because there's actually a person who acted for the hand. Actually, the stunt actor for the hand, as it were, is fucking awesome. He's a magician. He's a magician. We actually watched one of his routines right before we started the show. But as far as hands go, like he was a hand that touched me as a child. <laughs> <laughs> Let's no, keep going with that. He, he was in the fucking Adams Family movies. Yeah, he certainly was. Which, I mean, that's like, come on, dude. Yeah, so we're talking about Christopher Hart. He plays the hand. And, and he was it's the, the hand. Yeah. He was the thing. Exactly. So he's one of, I think, the only two actors who ever played those parts. 
Right, because he was even in the shitty num- third one. Mm-hmm. The um, reunion. Yeah. Values. And yeah, he did the Adams Family. The one that where Tim Curry was Gomez Adams. And yeah. Raul Julia, cause he because he unfortunately passed. passed yeah. After uh, making Straight Fighter. <laughs> uh, this is going to sound horrible. But do you think that movie killed him? I don't think it helped. <laughs> Dude, I, 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 oh, hey, that's bad. I, I, I point out whenever I know that I went and saw a movie in theaters, that's one I went and saw in the theater. Yeah, I did too. Like, I went and I see Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter and all it. that stuff. I didn't dislike it. No, though. I mean, it was fun. It I was, was also like six action. then, eight then, something yeah. like that. But. I mean, I was a teenager. It was still fun. Especially when you grew up on this stuff. But yeah, Christopher Hart plays the hand. And that's the lopped off hand, not while it's attached. <laughs> when do we hear the voice of the hand? I don't think it's necessarily the voice. I think it's more like just maybe like some of the noises that it makes. Because like, there is an interesting credit attached to that. There is. It's Robert England, And I'm like, maybe underneath the puppet at the end, maybe? I don't know. Oh, For sure. I like, I'd like to watch some of this commentary. But yeah, I'm like, what? Robert England is in this? Right, but I couldn't tell you when. I can't tell you when for Ricky Martin. I can tell you when for Kyle Gass. I can too. I can tell you for when Tom for Tom. Yeah. I can tell you when for Dexter because he's got kind of a big part. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's some interesting people. There's also one other person I had written down too. Oh, I can't remember seeing Mindy Sterling. Although it's really cool that she's in this because Frau Farbissna and Seth Green. <laughs> okay, so there's a movie that we did, and it's one of the nasties. So think of some of the nasty films that you and I have done. And think about early ones that we've done. And then think about jungle-themed movies. What, like Cannibal Holocaust? Like Cannibal Holocaust. There's an actor that was in that film, a main actor, who caused a lot of the mischief in this film. Wait, what? Yeah. Yeah, yes. So Carl Gabriel York was one of the chaperones during the gym sequence. And I was like, where in the fuck was he in this film? I didn't catch him, but he's apparently in this film. Holy shit. Yeah. So I was like, wow. Not only are they pulling Robert England, Freddy Krueger, they're pulling one of the guys, one of the main guys from Cannibal from Holocaust. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> I know. It's like, not only along with the Peter Whacker, <laughs> you're getting these guys. No, I'm just teasing. But that's like, that is pretty cool, man. You get Kyle Gass, one half of Tenacious D, Blink-182 with Tom DeLonge, The Offspring, Dexter Holland, which he had a pretty good death scene. Yeah, he really did. The scalping was super yeah. cool. All right, kid. Yeah, you're uh, fun. Plus, I always love hearing Offspring's cover of I Want to Be Sedated. I Want to Be Sedated. I like their other song they were playing, too. Yeah, it has a pretty cool. good breakdown. All right, I want to mention this dance just for a moment. Because somebody in that dance wasn't dancing like the others. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? Jessica Alba? <laughs> Who dances like that at a punk show? <laughs> uh, I would say that Jessica and Tanya were both one was pogoing out there moves <laughs> for God. what was going on and seemed very forced like they were very determined to keep dancing yeah, no matter what that happened. was what their character was <coughs> like i am here to fucking dance <laughs> I, I mean they're having fun i'm not got nothing against it. it's like wow that is quite the moves for this style of music <laughs> did you catch the red shoe diaries reference i did <laughs> yeah 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 red shoe diaries style it's like, damn, David Duchovny. Yeah, I know. It's like, way to go. <laughs> way to go, Showtime. Especially because the first time I watched this on HBO, well, obviously, Red Shoe Diaries was Showtime. Mm-hmm. But the first time I caught this would have been late at night when I was hoping to catch softcore. So. Well, well. Who didn't at that age? I was talking about the gym. Now, the gym has a significance for a reason. There's two movies that it was also filmed in. So there was two movies I said. 
One of them was the Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie from 1992. Great movie. Yeah. The other one was Jawbreaker from the same year, oh, 1999, sure. that this film was filmed. Yeah. So I was like, oh, that's kind of neat that they used. I had no idea. Oh, wow. I haven't seen Jawbreaker in a while. Jawbreaker's a good film. Uh, it's a cult classic. So what did you think of Vivica A. Fox As like, ignoring priest? three of the murder this... sites to make that wonky pentagram? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you are absolutely right. <laughs> there was even like if you look at the plots she was making none of them like there were some that didn't even connect yeah and even in the circle I was like no she ignores three of no. them and yeah. then it's not even a good hold on wait a minute <laughs> and then that doesn't like even matter movie. it's not like no. they were trying to summon like a gate into the middle of it I don't know right it's just even the hand itself I mean I understand that it doesn't really explain what the hand is really like, no. where does it come from it just lets you know what it does but Why not. is a druidic priestess yeah. hunting it down? Yeah, exactly. She's got that dagger, bro. I uh, even like... I, I like that, too. I'll talk about it later. But yeah, Vivica Fox as a whole. Her character, I think, for what she was given, she does a good job. I even like her play with Jack Noseworthy, his character, Randy. I think so, they do pretty decent together. Maybe I'm going way off base. But I feel like, especially this time period, maybe we should have warned in the warnings that there's a few homophobic-ish jokes. Oh, there are. There but are. it's it's time period-wise. Like, you're even going to find the same kind of jokes that were in this on, like, Friends on TV. Oh, for, for sure. I like, mean, it's... It sucks now the that time we're period. a little bit more, like, woke, I guess. <laughs> woke, son. But it was just... It does feel natural for the time. So it didn't really, like, stand out. No. However, man. given some of the attitudes at the time... And the it fact that and the fact that I feel like the writing in this wasn't top notch, and that maybe felt <laughs> a little bit wittier than he really was sometimes, especially because I feel like Seth Green probably improved most of his best. I'm things, sure he probably did. Considering <laughs> the writing in the rest of the movie, yeah, he's like, "Man, come on, bros, I've been so much better." Do you think Vivica A. Fox's druid time, oh my being gosh. super early, yeah, was a play on CPT? Huh. <laughs> uh, maybe I don't know. What do you having, think? Having having the only black I know you're saying the cast. I know exactly what that means too. Oh my god! Playing gosh. against expectations and having it be super early rather than super late. Do you think he thought he was getting away with something? That's there? funny. Maybe I. You know, that's a good point. I didn't think of it in that that right because it. Uh, yeah, like in Druid time, CBT. That's funny. Yeah, dude. I don't know. I think there was probably some of that. It wouldn't surprise me, man, considering. Yeah. Also, Noseworthy just being dumbass fucking pussy hound is uh, hilarious considering he's been openly gay since 1990. I was going to mention that, yeah. <laughs> he's open. Yeah, I think he even has a husband. Yep. So, I mean, it's no, you know, it's, it's not like it's a secret. Here's something else. You mentioned a little bit about him hitting underage people in this film. You know who the underage person he was hitting on in this film was? Oh. Tanya. Oh, yeah. His half-sister in real life. Oh, shit. <laughs> so not only was it underage, it was incestuous. I wonder how far into the movie they figured out that they were related. <laughs> I'm your sister. And she, well, and she's the one, when he was hitting on her, she was the one that admitted... Oh, I want to, to talk about that. To that making an incestuous-themed insult. I told him to go blow each other. I like how it builds up. Did because they? he comes, he comes over... He sees an opportunity to hit on a grieving teenager, and she asked if he knew them. He's like, yeah, they're great guys. 
And she's like, I just feel so bad because I'm so mean to them. And she's like, one time they asked me out on a double date. And I thought they were tarts because there's only one of me, right? So I told them to go blow each other. <laughs> and yeah, he goes down. Wow. Did, Did they? they? <laughs> For someone who's openly gay, I thought that was good, man. Holy shit. That's a funny line. I mean, some of the writing is clever. That I love that. <laughs> Did they? Did they? Yeah, that's good. How about his doubled up tribal armbands? Yeah. Oh, well, here's something interesting about one of his tattoos. On I can't. I think it's the his Jesus. Left, yeah, the weeping Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know what that's modeled after? Hmm. It's modeled after Woody Harrelson's tattoo of Mickey from the Natural Born Killers. Oh, okay. So that's what that's from. They use a couple of references in this film throughout. One of the big ones, Seth Green pulls off, and I think it was in the movie trailer too, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think I remember it. Where he's like, "Look at me, I'm Leatherface." How do you not know what that's from? Even the fact that they filmed it on the block where Halloween was filmed. I mean, they're using some pretty big references. Some big boys in this. Noseworthy also gave one of my other favorite line deliveries in this movie. And it's way later on. No sort of, for it. <laughs> well, that was great. But you got a girlfriend? Yeah. <laughs> girlfriend? Yeah, it's pretty good, man. I like some of those deliveries. Like, so they're funny. I have a hard time believing that Vivica Fox is a druidic priestess. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, now. I'm just saying. I think she's more like she's more built for the Amazon. Fucking oh my god! There was two, one other set of lines that I fucking lost it over. <laughs> Seth Green's. I'm not going through all that, Tanya. Oh, uh, yeah. And what? You can go back there and get, get a, a piece, piece if you like. <laughs> he has another thing he says to Devin Sawa, Anton, where he tries to give him that nugget. He puts it. In you know oh, his respirator, mm-hmm. and Devin Sawal takes it off. He's like, no, he's like, not this time. And he starts to go off on a spiel. And he's like, no, 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 no. He's like, we're not going to have any Kevin Costner speeches. Yeah, he's like, just go, <laughs> just go. Just go. <laughs> I was like, awesome. Which is funny because I believe one of these actors, I can't remember who, but was in Waterworld. Oh, I wouldn't doubt it. I can't. Oh, I think it might have been Sean Whalen. I think it's Sean Whalen. Okay, one of the officers. I'm almost certain. I mean, like Kyle Gass might have been, because I know Jack Black is. Yeah, I'm 90% sure that Sean Whelan's in it. Anyhow, I thought it was kind of neat. Timothy that... Stack might have been in Waterworld. He could have been. He was in a lot of shit. Anyone, I wouldn't be surprised if Seth Green was in it. <laughs> yeah, I w- yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either if Seth Green is in Waterworld. <laughs> uh, here's something. I mentioned an actress in it. She's in it not for very long. She does have a death scene, and it's in the car in the parking lot going into the gym. Oh, okay. All right. Now, I mentioned that she was a playmate. I also mentioned the fact that she was an actress from the 90s. She was in Baywatch. I didn't know that she was a stunt double for Carmen Electra. Because Carmen Electra couldn't swim. Oh, shit. So if you're watching Baywatch with Carmen Electra, a lot of the swim sequences are actually Kelly Monaco. That's actually kind of cool. Yeah, I didn't know that. And not only that, but Carmen Electra can't swim. But it's funny because she has two flotation devices. Oh, yes. Permanently. You know it. <laughs> so, uh, I was kind of curious about this at the end, and I'm wondering how it was originally written into the script, and whether the design came from reading the script, or from came from, like, spoken direction, or whatever, but Mighty Joe Bong. Yeah. Do you think, <laughs> originally, because of the design, and to sort of go with the whole idea of, like, coming together as a team, they were supposed to all hit it at the same time, but mm. they ran into problems with, like, blocking or something... 
in the frame per mm-hmm. person or something, or just something have, or in general. Something. Huh. That's a good question. Because the design, it of would it make looks sense. Like yeah, I mean, it's a carburetor. Should be able to fucking hit it. Right? Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. You would think exhaust. Yeah, someone hit shit. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, that's kind of silly too. If you think about that, the whole end. Oh, I loved it. You know why I loved it? It's comedy. I mean, for me, it's comedy. There was a very specific reason why I loved it this time through, and it was because of this show. And not too long ago, we did Cabin in the Woods, Mm -hmm. and the stoner was the reason that the world ended. (laughs) And this episode, we got to redeem that with the stoner being... Saving. Saving everything. Yeah. By getting evil stoned. It did. And it was funny. I like the attack. That if the one last surge that the hand gives, Vivica Fox throws the dagger. It thrusts itself into South Green, Mick, and then it goes poof. <laughs> like what? That's Who it. Calls it out. Wait, what? That's it. He's like, there's no <laughs> like explosions or nothing. <laughs> like I thought it was funny because it is. It's kind of like <laughs> all this build up. So yeah, I think that was kind of funny. He even gets crushed. Anton, that is, at the end. And Mick and Pinub, they wind up going to heaven. Mick and Pinub. Mick they end up Pinub. becoming fucking guardian angels. Guardian angels, and they leave him one last Honestly, little joke. I would watch a continuation of this story where they're just still looking over him. It could play off. And now he's just a fucking... Something happened. What that mean, Anton's they needed, the they, undead? I was going to say, something happened. He and Jessica Alba aren't together anymore because... He still grew up to be a lazy piece of shit. Stoner. <laughs> and they're looking over him as his guardian angel still. And he just gets lazy to the point where his other hand gets fucking possessed. All right. Here's something that's interesting. It comes interesting. back. There's a tie-in a little bit I can make with this because of Fred Willard. There is a connection. The movie that we that you had mentioned, actually, How High, has a character who passes away but comes back because of a strain of marijuana that gets smoked. Right. Right. So, if you have guardian angels, who's to say that they couldn't meet that guy while smoking and meet and have a crossover movie with How High? How High, Idle Hand? I also... Just throwing it out there. In this post-Marvel world, where we're all a lot more used to uh, after-credit sequences, too. Yeah. If I had the chance to make one for this movie, I would have it be a cut to where he buried all yeah, the bodies yeah, yeah. in the mass grave and underneath have zombie... Fred Willard and his wife. <laughs> yeah. And they were too lazy the also parents. to go to heaven, but they also didn't want to come back to life only to have to fucking serve Watch him. Over him. Yeah. And so they're just chilling and fucking finally family. having some time to themselves. That'd be kind of <laughs> interesting, wouldn't it? I, hey. They're not planning on coming out anytime soon. They, they're zombies now. They don't need to eat. So they're just having some time to themselves it's underneath it's the just ground. peaceful right here. <laughs> not having to wait on his lazy ass hand and foot. Just, it's just peaceful here, mama. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So we talked about, you know, of course, the film. We kind of went all over the world with it. How about this? How about, I'm going to go in a different direction. What were some of the lowlights for you? If there are any lowlights. I mean, the lowlights are mostly are just that I kind of already touched on it. Like, just I felt wanted like to go the, a little darker. the slapstick wasn't really. They, they just tried pushing it too long, and maybe yeah. that's not quite Devin's strong suit. I agree with that. Yeah. Because even his roles leading up to this particular character wasn't comedic. I yeah, mean, it was um, more drama centered. Yeah, and I think and that's I not mean, that against him. He no. did a good job. And I don't really have anything against this. I also, but I do think it's kind of funny that 
Oh, this is going to sound really weird, really bad, but I <laughs> simply find it funny. But it's really such a small part of this movie that it didn't go on long enough to become offensive. Right. But all of the women in this movie are just ready to go. Yeah, Jessica they Alba, are. as soon as Evan actually shows up on her porch. Yeah, we don't have to play these little games anymore. No, fucking Tanya. <laughs> yeah, she's making out with. Uh, she's all over Penub. fucking Penub just because it seems like he and she's like <laughs> she spends most of the rest of the movie like justifying it because of how cool his outfit was well no even it, if he wasn't the one to make it uh, here's something too that I think that's we didn't really talk about not that it's necrophilia per se but it's bordering on that where you're like making out with dead people kissing dead people yeah once you're undead what is it considered is it still necrophilia once you're back it has to be some form of it some kind of derivative of it right but it's not quite the same as just having sex with a corpse no 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 just like I don't want to stick any body parts and I just want to well maybe my tongue (laughs) not that I want to give it coitus but (laughs) I also thought it was funny that instantly like pet names were being used uh, baby and snakes. Weird ones. Yeah, baby snakes. I wrote that down. I was like, what the fuck, baby the snakes? The first time I didn't catch what she said to him, because she says it first. And then I heard him say it, and he says it a lot more distinctly. Yeah, he's, yeah he definitely... But then also, Noseworthy starts instantly... Well, I mean, it makes more sense for his character mm-hmm. that Kitten. he would instantly start calling a random chick just yeah. pet names. But still instantly for both of them yeah i mean there is something funny too that he does and that's after vivica fox gets hit by his own truck and gets blown out into the street (laughs) and he looks around and then gives her resuscitation she gives him that barf breath (laughs) also more interesting if that killed her and she comes back as a zombie and has to finish off the rest of the movie zombified i felt that could have been there, I mean, and that's that noseworthy still has to decide to fucking jump in at the end. Yeah. And give him a, a, just give a little him bit even more of a comedic second where he has to think about it for a second. He's just like, all right, yeah, let's do it. He has some pretty decent lines. I, I got to give credit there. Like He, for given the fact that he was an Event Horizon, a much larger you know, mm-hmm. budgeted film, but not only a little bit more successful film, he has a lot more lines in this film, and his presence is a lot larger, Dude, I, I think. I loved him in this. I thought yeah. he was great, as ridiculous as he was. Yeah, I think that central cast, it's a very strong cast. The introduction of those cameos is kind of cool. Having the offspring, I thought they did a good job, man. offspring was dope. That was yeah, cool. Dexter Holland's good. I don't know. I can't really think. Like For me, there's really... Mm, I like this movie too much to really think of like... I mean, yeah, there's some other direction we talked about where they could have played with, but music was good for that time period. I enjoyed the soundtracks really good. I just enjoyed this film, man. It's oh, we got a, it's some a, Rob Zombie in there? Yeah, we did. I was going to say that, yeah. Oh, all right. They do play a lot of videos in this film. Music videos. Pop that coochie. Do you know who that is? Do you know who the band is? Oh, uh, fuck. Pop that coochie is Naughty by Nature? Close. Damn it. Who is it? Two Live Crew. Damn it. Yeah. They were like back in the like super early night. I'm talking like 90, 91, I 92. I they were one of those rap groups that were like... They were notorious for being Their dirty. Their was too live. Too live. I mean, they didn't give a fuck. So yeah, that was funny. They used that. They used a band called, I think they're called Two. Is a Rob Halford band? Yes. Yeah, the, I think it was maybe one of the first music videos. I think it's where Devin Sawaz watching it, and he has to put it on pause. They also showed Dawn of the Dead, Mick and Peanut are watching that. It's, I think, like at the one hour minute mark there's anton's flipping the channels there's kind of like a, this cool hand sequence yeah, on the awesome. television 
But during one of it, there's a blip where he turns it on the Night of the Living Dead. We talked about Rob Zombie. I'm trying to think if there's anything else on the TV, because the TV was used a lot in this. I wish I would have known what that hand thing was. Yeah. Yeah. But it was really cool. I thought the use of that. They focused on what caused him to be lazy without showing him jerking off, because he mentioned that. (laughs) You know? But I think overall, man, like just for a basic teen comedy from the 90s that has horror elements and some of the gore is pretty decent Mm -hmm. you know can't complain most of it was practical yeah and you could tell too yeah so it wasn't overdone some of it's a little too slapsticky you know it's like all right it's okay but overall man i enjoyed this i'm glad we did it i'll probably watch it again sometime yeah yeah it's a good one just to burn since i watched it it's I, it's, I can easily throw it on in the background. Yeah, and I like, like I said, I like the actors in them because I've gone on to see them in other films and familiar with them. They have good timing. Dude, yeah, fucking Penub all day long. So good, man. He's got some really good lines in this shit. Penub all day long. Yeah, that's that's what I'm about. Me and my boy Penub. Well, not only that, I think it's an interesting We're way. Wooking Penub, I'll tell you what. Wooking Penub. <laughs> think about this. How many films have you seen outside of the Adams Family where the hand? Is that awesome? Yeah. Not many. Not many at all. So that's a unique entry into the horror genre as well. So with that, I think I've about said everything I want to say about yeah, this film. Yeah, same here. So we're not quite sure what we're doing next week, but we'll figure that out here very, very momentarily. But we, we shall. can't announce that to you yet. Not quite yet. You'll um, find out. That'll be a surprise. However, to continue keep listening to us, please hit subscribe if you haven't yet, and however you're listening to us. If you don't like how you're listening to us, we have links to the major listening places on our website, www.friedsquirms.com. You can always also stream us down at the bottom. Latest episode. We have the Facebook, Fried Squirms. Twitter? The Twitter, at Fried Squirms. The Instagram, at Fried Squirms, or Fried Squirms Podcast. Yeah, we like your pictures. We like pictures. Message us. Squirmcast. Squirmcast at gmail.com. I think, and there's links to all of that shit on the site. Exactly. So we like to communicate. We like to. We're still open to suggestions, recommendations, collaborations, and we love you all. Yeah. Happy four twenty. Yeah. I mean, Smoke we're gonna up. Be, we're, that, I mean, we, we've. If you're listening to this, we dropped this before four twenty. But it comes around twice a day. It does. Here's something else I should have mentioned. This is one last little bit for those who stuck around. Should have mentioned this earlier, but the director for this film worked under the tutelage of Roger Corman. Oh, yeah, I didn't know that. We should have mentioned yeah. that. Yeah, oh, that's okay. Well. For those who stuck around, there you go. We did We did know it. We just were stoned. Corman. <laughs> so, with that... That's the core of our message. The core man. The core man. Yeah, dude. So, I thought that was kind of neat. I should have mentioned it. We did. So, I'm glad we snuck it in. Bonus. <laughs> so, yeah, man. I've enjoyed our 420 episode. I look forward to 420 every day. Me too. And remember, Jafar. Jafar. Oh, my gosh. Just a friendly reminder. Smoke them if you got them. That's right. With that, fried squirms out. out.